the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a relationship expert, executive consultant, and life management coach. Cynthia Hyatt uses her 30 years of experience as a licensed psychotherapist to now offer in-office or concierge services through executive life coaching, consulting, and image management in order to help you be your own best version. Cynthia also specializes in speaking to groups worldwide about how to be successful in relationships, as well as artfully handling life's challenges. She has had many opportunities to present numerous educational seminars and lectures on a variety of motivational, inspirational, and mental health topics around the world. Please take a moment to visit her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's Cynthia, H-I-E-T-T dot com. Her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated for current events, updates, and inspiration during your week, as well as all social media platforms. You can hear this show as a podcast on iTunes and many other podcast services. Follow her on Facebook and Instagram. Now, with today's fresh insight, here's Cynthia Hyatt. Well, good afternoon. Thank you for joining me this afternoon. I hope you had a good Sunday morning and that you are getting ready for a great week. We're going to believe that, again, God is in the future just as he is in the past and he's with us today. Just like we talked about last week, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we're thankful for that, that we have a constant, that he is a constant help in time of trouble And he never changes. His character never changes. He never is affected in terms of changing who he is and deciding to quit or something. So he is always going to be God. And that is something that we can really be thankful for, that we do have in this ever-changing world a constant. So I want to kind of take that a little bit farther and talk about suffering, because this is certainly some trying times. And Many times when it, when we use the word suffering, that's such a big word and such a powerful word that we have a tendency to say, oh, well, it's not that bad. My life isn't that bad. And you're right. In, in America here, no matter how much our lifestyle has changed as a result of, of what's going on internationally, we still aren't knowing suffering the way that many societies have known it. But suffering is still suffering. And I like the saying from Billy Graham. He says, Comfort and prosperity have never enriched the world as much as adversity has. And that is one of the themes of this show, is I am constantly saying, you know, if there's anything good in somebody, pain always finds it out. And unfortunately, good things don't always bring out the best in people. Bad things either bring out a valiant, phenomenally strong, honest person or 
Hardship and pain reveal the character of someone. So I want to think about this word suffering or pain in a broad sense. And it, you know, we can experience it as unpleasantness and aversion. And it's associated usually with the perception of harm or, or some type of a threat to, to, to an individual, to a group, to a society. But suffering is a basic element that makes up the negative valiance of our, our emotional realm. And so the opposite, obviously, of suffering is pleasure or happiness. So I, I looked up the word suffering because you know how much I love words. And I, I want you to, to, to hear some of the ways it's described. So hurt is, or ache is one of the ways that we characterize suffering. And it's enduring agony or it's being wounded. It's wretched, feeling wretched, going through a lot, you know, going through hell. It's experiencing hardship. It's someone that is racked with pain. So when I looked at the book of Job, which is one of my favorite um, books, he is one of my favorite prophets along with Isaiah, Jeremiah, you know, his book is considered a book on suffering. And his name is associated with the word suffering. So Job says, in, in the book of Job, he says, my name is suffering. That's what Job means. My name is suffering. So we all suffer. We're all suffering to one degree or another. And this is why the story of Job in the Bible is so relevant to us. So let me tell you what happened to our brother Job. Because he suffered in every way. Thousands of years ago, this man Job was a follower and a worshiper of the Lord, obeying all the commandments and living a righteous life. He did everything right. This is a man that did not lie. So when he says, my name is suffering, he's not lying. Job is, is, is synonymous with truth. So, and a very interesting thing happened to him as a result of his righteous life. So let's look at this story. There, this is a conversation between Satan and God. And this is Job chapter 1, verses 1 through 22. And it's out of the Message Bible because I think it really brings it to life. So this is what it says. It says, Job, a man who lived in Uz, or Uz. I think it's Uz. He was honest inside and out, a man of his word. He was totally devoted to God, hated evil with a passion. He had seven sons and three daughters. He was also very wealthy. 7,000 head of sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 teams of oxen, 500 donkeys, a huge staff of servants, the most influential man in all the East. And his sons used to take turns hosting parties in their homes, always inviting their three sisters to join them in the merrymaking. And when the parties were over, Job would get up early in the morning, sacrifice a burnt offering for each of his children, thinking... You know, they kind of had a big party last night, right? <laughs> Maybe they sinned and defied God inwardly or outwardly. So Job made a habit of sacrificial atonement just in case his children sinned. So let's look at what happens here. We have the first test that Job has to go through. This is the loss of his family and his fortune. So, cha so, so chapter 1, this is starting in verse 6, it says, One day when the angels came to report to God, Satan 
who was the designated accuser, came along with them. And God singled out Satan and said, What have you been up to? Satan answered God. He said, Oh, going here and there, checking things out on earth. And God said to Satan, Have you noticed my friend Job? There's no one quite like him, honest and true to his word, totally devoted to me and hating evil. Can you imagine if that's how God spoke of you? My friend Cynthia. My friend Hannah. My friend David. Well, God does consider us friends, but here in the Old Testament, this is before the atonement of Jesus, the sacrifice of Jesus. So when God calls a man his friend, that's saying something. And he says he's honest and true to his word, totally devoted to me and hates evil. So Satan retorted. He said, so do you think Job does all of that out of the sheer goodness of his heart? No one ever had it so good as Job. You pamper him like a pet. You make sure nothing bad ever happens to him or his family or his possessions. You bless everything he does. He can't lose. So remember, Satan is the accuser of the brethren. So this is Satan disparaging Job's character. Right after God said he's completely devoted and a man without sin. So he goes on to say, but what do you think would happen if you reached down and took away everything that he has? He'd curse you right to your face. That's what would happen. And God replied, well, we'll see. Go ahead. Do what you want with all that is his. Just don't hurt him. So then Satan left the presence of God. So this is important, too, when we think about, wow, Satan. I don't know if Satan was allowed to do that unless he talked to God about it. And God gave him the go-ahead. There are many things that we don't understand as to how Satan works, how God works, how evil and good work in this world, why things happen to us, why they don't happen to us, why some people seem to be doing better than others. But what we do know is that Satan is the accuser of the brethren, and he hates us. And he will do anything in his power to steal your faith. So let's get back to the story. Verse 13 says, Sometime later, while Job's children were having one of their parties at the home of the oldest son, a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys grazing in the field next to us. When the Sabaeans attacked, they stole the animals, killed the field hands, all of them. I'm the only one to get out alive and tell you what happened. While he was still talking, another messenger arrived and said, Bolts of lightning struck the sheep and the shepherds and fried them. Seven thousand burned them to a crisp. I'm the only one to get out alive and tell you what happened. While he was still talking, another messenger arrived and said, Chaldeans came from three directions, raided the camels, massacred the camel drivers. I'm the only one to get out alive and tell you what happened. And yet, while he was still talking, another messenger arrived and said, Your children were having a party at the home of the oldest brother when a tornado swept in off the desert, struck the house, collapsed on all the young people, and they died. I'm the only one to get out alive and tell you what happened. Can you imagine? All in one fail swoop. So verse 20 says, Job got to his feet, ripped his robe, shaved his head, fell to the ground, and worshipped God. Can you imagine? I mean, the last thing that we might be thinking is worshiping God if we have that many losses all in one day. Everything that was important to us. Would you think about worshiping God? 
I mean, I would like to think I would, but I have to be honest with you. I'm not sure that that would be my first thought. But to Job, he got to his feet, ripped his robe, shaved his head, and fell to the ground and worshipped. And this is what he says. Naked I came from my mother's womb. Naked I'll return to the womb of the earth. God gives and God takes. God's name be ever blessed. Wow, what a response. God gives and takes away. Let his name be blessed. Job says, hey, I came into this world with nothing. I'm going to leave with nothing. Now, as we go further in this chapter, you're going to find that, that cognitively Job had it all together. Like he can say all these things. These are the right things to say. But emotionally, he certainly was affected. He's human. So not once through all of this did Job sin. Not once did he blame God. Now, that's important for me because I've had lots of tragedies in my life. I've had a hardship as well as you have. And I would love to say that I didn't sin as a result of it. And I would love to say I didn't get mad at God. But this is part of being human. This is why we have patriarchs in the Bible, that we can readjust ourselves and say, hey, that's the attitude I want to have. Join me in the next segment. This is Conversations with Cynthia. Welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. You're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining in and for all of your presence on social media. And always check out the website at CynthiaHyatt.com for any, all, all kinds of helpful hints and, and hope that you can take. And you can listen to the, the latest shows right from the website if you'd like. You can also go to your favorite podcast server and look for Conversations with Cynthia. And we have just all the years of the shows there. So... Thank you again for your support and just your your presence here and and listening and learning. So we are talking about Job, and his name means suffering. So I know what my name means. Cynthia means bringer of light. You know, that's kind of a comfortable name, and that's kind of, wow, if if I have to live up, uh, up to my name, that's kind of pleasant. So I don't think I would want the name Job that indicates that my life will be all of suffering. So we have this amazing man here in Job that he did not sin once in all that the enemy brought against him. And God had such faith in this man. He said, go ahead, do your worst. I know my friend Job. He won't sin. Can you imagine God saying that about you, about me? I mean, that's something to aspire to. And, and I think it's amazing as we read about this man. So we, we saw the first test, which was his, the loss of his family and his fortune. And so then, then we, we see that Satan is, is relentless, like he, we know he is. Hatred and evil is always relentless. And it always, always goes too far. So we have this second test, and this is in chapter 2 of Job. And this is his health. So he loses all of his money, all of his fortune, and all of his family. And now Satan goes after his health. So chapter 2, verse 1 says, One day when the angels came to report to God, Satan also showed up. God singled out Satan, saying, And what have you been up to? 
Satan answered, oh, you know, going here and there, checking things out. And God said, have you noticed my friend Job? There's no one quite like him. He's honest and true to his word. Totally devoted to God and hating evil. So let's look at this. He goes on to say, honest and true to his word, totally devoted to God and hating evil. He still has a firm grip on his integrity. That's what God says to Satan. I know everything you did to him, and he still has a firm grip on his integrity. You tried to trick me into destroying him, but it didn't work. This is a wow moment for Satan. Okay, Satan is not only the accuser, but he's also the deceiver. So he was so arrogant, he even tried to deceive God. And Satan answered, a human would do anything to save his life. But what do you think would happen if you reached down and took away his health? He'd curse you to your face, that's what. So God said, go ahead. All right, go ahead. You can do what you like with him. But mind you, don't kill him. Think about this in real time. If God said to Satan or to anybody, do whatever you want to do to her, you're just not allowed to kill her. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about you, but I would prefer to probably be killed rather than to simply suffer. And so Satan left God. This is verse 7. And he struck Job with terrible sores. Job had ulcers and scabs from head to foot. They itched and they oozed so badly he took a piece of broken pottery to scrape himself. And then he went and sat on a trash heap among the ashes. This man now looked ugly. I mean, this was a regal man. He now is oozing with pus. I mean, this is pretty gross, right? And he goes and he sits on a trash heap. So remember in the last segment when I said, you know, he, he cognitively he had it all together. Job knew the right thing. He knew how to steady himself with righteousness and with truth. But emotionally, see, Satan is going, for, he's going for the jugular. So now he's really in a mess. He hurts all over physically. He's lost everything. He looks terrible. He's diseased. And he goes and he sits on a trash heap. Now, for all of you wives out there, I'm going to read you what his wife said. And all of us are going to know this is probably not what we want to emulate. So verse 9, his wife said, Still holding on to your precious integrity, are you? Curse God and be done with it. Now, we want to have some compassion on, on her as well. She lost everything, all of her kiddos grandkids if there was them she lost a beautiful home she lost a wonderfully strong amazing very powerful very admired husband to now have a man that is full of ulcers all over his body and he's sitting in a trash heap so we, we want to be kind of kind with her as well so this is what job said to her and this is very important because we as women we don't want to follow in the footsteps of job rather we want to consider encouraging our husbands when they have big losses, even if the loss is a result of their behaviors or their bad judgment. We as women, we want to make sure that we continue to encourage our husbands to trust in the Lord, to trust in his providence, not always in themselves. 
And we know that men really, first and foremost, always depend on themselves. They don't like depending on others. They have a hard time even depending on God. So we as women don't want to do what Job's wife is doing and say, wow, okay, so you're still going to hold on to your precious integrity after all of this? Now we're in survival. What are you going to do? You're going to follow all the rules still, like as if that worked? So we understand, certainly, she's heartbroken. So we're not seeing the best version of her either. But this is what Job said to her, and this is really important. He said, you're talking like an empty-headed fool. We take the good days from God, why not also the bad days? So this is very important. Not once through all this did Job sin, and he said nothing against God. So even in the worst of the worst position he's ever been in his life, he chose to be a leader to his wife. So this is important for you men, you husbands, partners, that you say to yourself, you know what, I can give in to all that emotion as well. But am I going to stick with what I know is true, even if what I'm experiencing doesn't feel like the God that I know? Am I going to direct my family, my friends, my kids to continue to know who the one true God is? We take the good days from God. Why would we not also take the bad days? And this is where I say to myself, I say to clients regularly, when it comes to God, there is no in-between. I either trust him or I don't. I either trust his character Trust that he has good character and that he is who he says he is and God is a God that does not lie. Or I don't. I don't want to emotionally begin to decide whether or not I can trust God because that means that I'm trusting in circumstances. And there is an enemy that is seeking whom he may devour, prowling around the earth, using all of his dudes that are coming with him to wreak havoc on God's people. And we see that in this book. So join me in the next segment as we talk more about what God was doing with Job and how he responded. Welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you for joining me. And this is the, the middle of the show, so we have one more half hour to go. If you're just tuning in, make sure you go to the website at CynthiaHyatt.com and click on the radio link at the top of the page, and you can listen to this show in its entirety right from your computer. You can also visit your favorite podcast server and uh, look for conversations with Cynthia. And we have, oh my goodness, years of, of the shows that I've been doing. Um, on all those podcast servers. So thank you to my wonderful assistants, Faith and Amy, who are so diligent about getting these things out on Facebook and Instagram and putting them out onto the podcast servers and, and managing those. So please take advantage of that. Now, we are talking about the book of Job. And what we started with understanding was we know that Job is considered um, a, a true patriarch, and he is a man that did not and does not lie. So he refers to himself as Job, my name is Suffering. 
that and it is true his suffering is is more profound than any i have ever read about so when we're looking at this we are here in the middle of this process he has had two tests that he has endured. The first one was his family and his fortune that he lost completely by Satan. The second one was his health. And he is still holding true to God, so he's still a hero to us. So let's look further into this story. So we see yet again, Job said nothing against God. I mean, yay, that, that, that's something to really be amazed at. So three of Job's friends heard about his trouble. So we talked about, right, Job and Job and God. Then we talked about his wife. Well, now his friends show up. And they traveled from their own country and went together to keep him company and comfort him. And when they first caught sight of him, they couldn't believe it. They hardly recognized him. They cried out. They ripped their robes. They dumped dirt on their heads. This is, understand that this is how people expressed grief in those times. So they dumped all this dirt on their head. And they sat on the ground for seven days and seven nights without saying a word. Now, If this would have been seven women, that would not have happened. They would have talked straight through seven days and seven nights. But we see men, the way that they comfort one another is typically being with one another. They don't necessarily say anything. And so they sat on the ground for seven days and seven nights without saying a word. They could see how rotten he felt, how deeply he was suffering. Unfortunately, it didn't last very long because we read chapter after chapter of his friends, one at a time telling him that he must have done something wrong, that this was only happening to him because he deserved it. So his friends comforted him for seven days. And then from that day forward, because it didn't seem to change and it didn't make sense to them, they turned on their friend. Now, understand, this is not because they didn't, they stopped loving him, okay? I know that you and I, we all can do this. When we can't solve a problem that somebody has that we love, and we can't seem to figure out a way to change their life, we can't seem to figure out how it could even be happening to them. If we're not careful, we get weary in the comforting process and the patience process, and we start to say, you know, you must have done something to deserve this. Because we're trying really very feebly to find a way to change the circumstance. And if that means that we say, hey, you're, maybe you're to blame. So whatever it is that you're doing, stop doing it. Maybe that would help. And we can turn on the people that we're most wanting to support. And so this, they decided this could only have happened to him because he deserved it. That somehow he was proud and arrogant And all the while, Job is only asking God for answers. See, he goes straight to the top. He doesn't ask his friends for answers. He goes to God himself. And he asks him, he says, what have I done wrong? I will repent. Tell me how I have sinned. What did I do to deserve all this? Have you ever felt like that? Feeling that just as Job. Well, you could be considered an individual devoted to God, I'm sure. And so then the test comes. And this, we can know what Job feels like. We can think we're doing the best we can. We can be saying to God, God, I'm doing the best I can. And then we get all these tests. And in, in this current situation that we're in, in the world, we have lots of things that are testing us, that are trying to get us to act out of character, 
to get us to blame God or to think that God has somehow left us, left our country or something, that we somehow deserve this. So we want to be very careful that we make sure that we say to God, God gives, God takes away. If we have the good days with God, why aren't we willing to have the bad days with God? And we know that God loves to tell the truth. If there's something we need to know, I think he's, he's really smart enough to tell us in a way that we can understand. So if we can't, we need to trust. Join me in the last segment as we talk more about suffering. Welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia, and we are talking about suffering and the book of Job. And, you know, our great hero, Job, that he is a man that never lied. And in spite of all that he went through, he never cursed God. So, you know, we talked about the first test, which was losing family and fortune. And maybe you can relate to that, that you have lost a fortune. You have lost a career, a job, an entire way of making a living. Maybe you have lost family members as a result of that. Or maybe you have family members that have gone astray or have misinterpreted. and, And you have a break in relationship. But maybe you can relate to the second test. Maybe it's health. Maybe you're having health issues that really don't make any sense, that don't seem fair, that don't seem deserved. And are you struggling with health issues that maybe cannot seem to be solved? Are you in pain and you're not knowing where to find relief? Well, this is also when Job cries out to God in chapter 3. And this is verses 1 and 2, and it says, Job spoke up and cursed his fate. That's an important point. Job spoke up, okay? He talked out loud because you know we, on this show, we talk so much about the need to speak feelings, to speak our thoughts, to be able to know what it is that we're thinking and feeling. And so Job spoke up with God. I want you to speak up with God. He is your friend, whether he feels friendly to you or not. And Job cursed his fate. Now, that's an important point. Job did not curse God. He cursed his fate. And this is what he says. What's the point of life when it comes, when it doesn't make any sense? When God blocks all the roads to meaning. And then furthermore, in verse 26, he goes on to say, My repose is shattered. My peace is destroyed. There's no rest for me ever. Death has invaded my life. Have you ever felt like that? I know I have. Now, I have not had what Job has had. I would not ever claim to have that degree. But I know what some of that feels like. And so he says to God, Remember, O God, my life is but a breath. My eyes will never see happiness again. Do you feel like Job? Have you ever felt like Job saying, you know, what's the point? What's the purpose of all this suffering? I wish I'd never been born. Have you ever said that? So even if Job were sinning, let's consider that. 
which we know he, he was at some level simply because he was human, so there's something. But he was not overtly sinning against God. So God wasn't considering his humanity and how he was dealing with all of it as sin. He wasn't doing this to teach Job about sin. Because Job was still living a righteous life. He was doing the right things, and if he messed up, he repented. He regularly offered sacrifices to the Lord for himself and his family. Besides, does anyone deserve all that he got? Would you punish your children in this way? Of course not. So what's going on? Well, why do bad things happen to good people? Because there's an accuser, and Satan is real. And he is being falsely accused by Satan. Satan is the accuser. Don't listen to his lies about you. God knows you're a sinner. He also knows your heart. He's not angry with you because you're struggling with sin. See, Isaiah 55, verse 8 says, God's ways are not our ways. This is what God says. God says, I don't think the way you think. The way you work isn't the way I work. For as high as the skies soar above the earth, so the way I work surpasses the way you work. And the way I think is beyond the way you think. You see, God is both advocate and justifier for Job. What he's doing, he's proving who Job is. He's showing the world the real Job in a way that cannot be disputed. And there is this famous saying, and I don't know who wrote it, but it says, God may not pay at the end of the day, but in the end he always pays. And what we will see at the end of Job's life is a reward far surpassing what he lost. The difficulty is this. Job could not see the end. He could not see what God could see. And he knew about, he didn't know how it would end up. So he had to trust God. He had to trust who God says he is. See, Job's name is synonymous with suffering. And synonyms, these are words that with the same or the similar meanings. So it's like this word or that word, but they have the same meaning. So when you use the name Job, you're essentially saying, <clears throat> excuse me, you're essentially saying suffering. See, names are important. Do you know what your name means? Are you, are you living up to your name? I mean, maybe you have felt like your name should be suffering. I, I've, I've been there times in my life. I could have introduced to myself as, um, hi, my name is suffering. Or, hi, my name is defeat. Or, hi, my name is screw up. There are many times that we could introduce ourselves in ways that aren't the original version of what God created us to be. So this is what Job said. He asked, why? Why me? And he puts this question to God. He didn't take his sufferings quietly or piously, but Job took a stance before God, and he then protested his suffering. So I'm not saying that we, we talk back to God in a way that is, is um, inappropriate or, or defaming or, you know, um, in something that is, is, is ir- disrespectful. But what we do know is God is our friend. We need to talk to him and tell him how we're feeling. 
He already knows. So it's good for you to put your words into the air and give them to God. So Job, we know, suffered in the arenas of family, personal health, material possessions. And this story is so important because he questioned God. That's what relationship is about. You're allowed to question God. And see, he questioned God, and still God, throughout the story, calls him his friend. It's not suffering so much that troubles us as it is the suffering that feels undeserved, that we don't understand it. And this, I know, being in in the industry that I'm in, the biggest hardship for humans is suffering that makes no sense. That's the hardest thing. If I can't attach it to something, if I don't understand why it's coming toward me or why I can't stop it, I can't figure out if I deserve it, it doesn't make sense, then this is one of the most difficult things to have trust in a God you cannot see when you can't understand. So people do bad things and nothing happens. You know, in fact, it may, they may continue to prosper even more. And maybe we do good things and we get more hardship. So maybe we do the best we can and it still doesn't work out. Well, this is the suffering that, that, that really confuses us and then may anger us. This is what bothered and outraged Job. You see, Job was doing everything right and it all went wrong, seemingly overnight. So Job gives voice to his suffering so well, so accurately, so honestly, that anyone who has ever suffered, which includes every last one of us, can recognize his or her personal pain in the voice of Job. Job says boldly, maybe what some of us are too timid to say. He refuses to accept the role of a defeated victim. And it's also important to note what Job does not do. Job does not curse God, as his wife suggested that he do. Getting rid of the problem by getting rid of God. Saying, well, if, this is the, if, if there's a God, then he must not really be a God if things are like this. And Job didn't do that. Jo- neither does Job explain suffering. In this whole entire book of Job, he never really explains suffering. He does not instruct us how to live so that we can avoid suffering. Suffering is a mystery. And Job comes to respect the mystery. So what we find is through respecting suffering and questioning suffering, we are brought into the mystery of God. The greatest mystery is that pain can bring us closer to God and cause us to know him on a much deeper level. And this brings an appropriate experience of awe, which is what we see in the story of Job. His suffering led to beautiful worship, peace, and restoration in a way he could have never imagined. We're now awestruck by what what he now has at the end of his life and how God replaced and gave even more than he had ever lost. So we are awestruck by the one who died for us and redeemed us and who will ultimately deliver us from evil and even from ourselves. So not only is this book about suffering, 
but it's really about the power of relationship. See, we see Job's relationship with God increasing while his wife's relationship with God decreases. That's, that's really important, and that was staggering to me when I realized that. We see that God called Job his friend, and he was even angry with Job's friends because Job's friends were initially comforting, and then they changed. And when nothing changed in Job's life, they became accusers, which is how all of this started, right? Satan was the accuser of Job. And so they fell into the same trap. They started following the ways of Satan. They began accusing Job, just as his wife did. And so this is where Job's friends took up the accusation and said he was bad and getting what he deserved. It was all his fault that all this was happening. That if Job were somehow a better person, if he repented from some sin that he's not repented from, none of this would be happening. What is sad is that this has been going on since the beginning of time. People use the word of God, think they know God, think they know another person's heart, and assume why they are suffering. Wanting to give a quick fix. And they're full of spiritual diagnoses and prescriptions, right? Have you met these people? Maybe you've been one of them. All of us have at some point. It makes logical sense, but as we've learned... God's ways are not our ways. So humans want to reduce God's ways to what they can comprehend. And they oversimplify and think they know God, as if, you know, God consulted them somehow or something. So God was very clear with Job's friends, and he was very angry with them for misrepresenting God. See, God doesn't like being misrepresented, just as you don't like being misrepresented. So as a result, his friends, Job's friends, sacrifice of seven bulls and seven rams as an offering on their own behalf. And they say, wow, my friend Job, will you pray for me? Will you pray for me? And this is important as we as we really look at being honest with ourselves. That Job forgave his friends for that for their weakness You know, they had a good heart, I'm sure. But this is where we want to make sure that we are not putting God in a box and that we are not judging others unnecessarily, that we are assuming the best. That doesn't mean that we say bad behavior is okay. What we say is we need to know what is going on. We need to delve in deeper to this person's life and know them better before we make a judgment. We need to walk part of their life with them so that we know what they're actually contending with. So we know that Jesus was called a man of sorrows. And that's what he says. He challenges us and tests us from all sides. We want you to have a faith-filled life. God bless you today. God bless you and the people in your life. Have a great week. We hope this past hour has been encouraging motivating, and inspiring to you. The messages and teachings shared during the show are given as a way to reach you, the listener, with ideas and insights on how you may not only improve your life, but have more successful and meaningful relationships as you become the best version of you. Cynthia is available as a keynote speaker or guest speaker for your corporate or spiritual events. 
Cynthia is able to customize a message for any audience attending a meeting, retreat, or conference. In addition to this, she oftentimes partners her messages with music as she is a singer and musician. Please contact her through her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can download the most current show from her website at CynthiaHyatt.com or hear a replay on your favorite podcast server. Please take a moment to visit her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated and leave your ideas and comments about today's show. Now, be your own best version. Be-